welcome to the Holistic Author Show. I'm your host, Kit Kilstow, the author yogi. Each episode, we'll talk about how to recraft the publishing paradigm to help you take care of what matters, you and your creativity. Discussing topics ranging from the publishing business to physical and mental health, and even mind-body balance as you juggle the many duties of being an author today, the Holistic Author Show will help you make the choices you need to craft the right publishing career for you. And now, this week's show. Hello, and welcome to the Holistic Author Show. I'm Kit Kalestow, and on today's show, I want to talk about the fight, flight, or freeze response when it comes to authors. So there's a good chance you have heard of the fight, flight, or freeze response. This is taught in most introduction to psych courses. It is something that's out there on the internet as far as psychologists or people who talk about trauma-informed therapy, some PTSD groups. It's, it's pretty common to hear about fight or flight. What that really means, there is a part of our brain, and that part is called the amygdala. It is deep in the brain, kind of sitting right on or right near the brain stem. That amygdala has, is also referred to as your lizard brain. Now, I like lizards. I have bearded dragons, and so I'm not too keen on the word lizard brain for that part of your brain for the amygdala, but it is basically considered the part of your brain that controls those more primal those more less evolved impulses. It's not your prefrontal cortex, which is right behind your forehead. That's the front of your brain. That does all of the higher thinking, higher processing type functions. Your amygdala is where you may hear, you know, your gut instinct. It's where you make snap decisions. You look at something and you go, that's a nope. Then that's your amygdala talking and your amygdala says, nope, that's not what's going to happen. The fight, flight, or freeze response is done in the face of danger. So if we think of, you know, people, we don't even have to go back to, um, you know, early man times, early human times. But if you think about, for example, somebody on the frontier and they see they run across a rattlesnake or a cougar, or some danger to them. If you walked out your front door and you saw a big T-Rex, this is the part of your brain that would activate. It is not the part of your brain that would go, ooh, a dinosaur, let me pet it. That is not your amygdala, so that's not what we're talking about. And if you're like me and would probably try to pet the T-Rex or give it a treat, well, you know, you, you can imagine from watching Jurassic Park what probably would happen to us. But for the rest of you, who would step out your front door and see a big T-Rex, angry, looking for dinner, your amygdala is the part of your brain that you're either going to fight, fly, run away, or freeze. Well, pretty quickly, we're going to realize we can't fight a mountain lion, probably shouldn't fight a rattlesnake, probably shouldn't fight a T-Rex. Now... You know, roosters, descendants of T-Rex, you, if, if they if they get a little uppity with you, you can kind of fight back. But T-Rexes themselves, not so much. I'm digressing. I'm sorry. Um, so we're going to either flight, we're either going to run away, which is what most people would do. Now, 
intellectually, there's a good chance that many of these wild animals are probably faster than we are, at least in the short term. There's reasons for that, short twitch muscle fibers. That's not what your amygdala is going to be thinking about. Your amygdala is going to be seeing the rattlesnake, seeing the cougar and going, nope, I'm out of here and running. And in the case of the rattlesnake, you know, flight is probably a pretty good response. The other response is freeze. And again, that freezing is also a good response when you, when you encounter a, a venomous snake. But freezing is not always a good response when you encounter a cougar, a T-Rex, or your manuscript. And that's what we want to talk about. I want to talk about specifically the freeze response because the danger that we feel as authors is not as life-threatening as the danger that you would feel if you were encountering a natural phenomena, a tornado, a hurricane, or the danger you would face if you ran into a T-Rex or a cougar. As authors, we run into quote unquote danger basically from ourselves. Now, there's always going to be those people on the internet and I'll put those people in quotes because I think we all know, you know, who we're talking about, the trolls, the people that love to write nasty reviews for the sake of nasty reviews. You're always going to run into those people. But it's not necessarily, the, you know, that type of behavior, those bad reviews that you're afraid of. You're afraid of how they make you feel. And so as authors, we can't fight the trolls on the internet. I mean, it's kind of fun to bait them, but you really can't fight them. All you're going to do is, is feed them. You're, you don't want to feed the trolls. You can freeze or you can flight. Oops. I got ahead of myself. You can run away, but then how do you run away? Well, do you not put your book on Amazon? You know, that, that seems counterproductive. Do you not, you can, you can flee in the fact of, for example, not interacting on Goodreads. And many authors and myself have made that choice because Goodreads is just kind of a cesspool. But really what most of us run into when we're sitting at, at our computer, when we're sitting at the coffee shop, when we're looking at our book or the things we need to do around our books, what we do is we freeze. Now there's a fourth part of the fight, flight, or freeze called fawn. And you'll hear that talked about a lot. Fawn is kind of a subset of freeze. Fawn to me, you can only fawn if there's another person to fawn to. Fawn meaning basically do whatever it takes to make the other person happy. Um, sadly, if you were an abused child, for example, you'll know, you remember the feelings of walking on eggshells around your parents or on somebody you didn't want to make mad. So you did what you could to keep them from getting mad. That's a fawning response. But you can't fawn at yourself. You can't fawn without there being an actual second person. So most writers get into the freeze response. So we need to look at what does the freeze response look like. The freeze response, how it looks and how it feels in your body can be different depending on the situation different depending on the perceived danger and different depending on kind of your familiarity with that or your awareness of that. Traditionally, outside of the writing world, the freeze response looks like being unable to move, absolutely freezing in place. I think we've all encountered things, you know, seeing flames on the stove, 
having something happen and you're just standing there going, oh, I should do something, but I can't do anything. That is a freeze response, classic freeze response. It could feel like kind of like you're not there, like you're not connected to your body. Um, sometimes it's associated with disassociation or depersonalization, like you're floating somewhere above your body, kind of watching yourself do things. That's a classic traumatic freeze response. Those types of freeze responses tend to not occur as much when we're dealing with writing things. And I think that's because the danger that we face more comes from our subconscious we don't sit down, for example, to write a book and think about all the one-star reviews that we could get. It's more that fear of not being seen, feel, fear of failing, whatever failing looks like for us, and forgetting, of course, that, that failing is a very malleable concept. And if you're actually writing a book, you're not failing. Um, but that's another show for another time. There's those fears, fear of getting made fun of. And depending on your past they can also kind of bounce up against some things. So an example would be, I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. There's several things that kind of went into it. There were several ingredients that went into that CPTSD pie, which I do not recommend, by the way. But one of them was in school, I got bullied a lot. I got bullied a lot for doing my own thing, for being my own person. And now I kind of realize where that came from or, you know, that wasn't me. I wasn't wrong. I wasn't dealing with these things, but it was, you know, it was those people. They, they had issues with me authentically being myself. They maybe were a little bit jealous of it. Um, it didn't fit into their pre preconceived notions of the world, whatever. But that has left me with a fear of putting myself out there. I am afraid I have issues doing public speaking. I have issues actually doing this podcast because I constantly thinking, you know, what if, what if it's just like it was in elementary school? Now, obviously, life is not like it was in elementary and junior high. Thank goodness. And that's something I can work with. But if you have... CPTSD, PTSD, if you have a history of trauma or some pretty bad things that have happened to you, especially in relation to your publishing world, then dealing with this freeze response is going to be a bit more complicated because there's more, more pieces involved. It's not just a straightforward amygdala reaction. Your amygdala also controls how you react to those past traumas and those past traumas can actually rewire your brain. So I want to, first of all, as always advise you to give yourself grace and support, talk to yourself the way you would talk to yourself um, or talk to your best friend or a loved one, somebody you really care about. If you, how would you talk to them and make sure you're talking to yourself in that matter as well, because we are always far harder on ourselves than other people would be. And with that, it's important to recognize, if you can, recognize those fears. Recognize what your amygdala and your brain is trying to protect you from. The truth is, your amygdala is trying to protect you. Your amygdala is trying to keep you safe from what you perceive as fears. So it's good to know what those are. 
for example, a fear of putting yourself out there, a fear of speaking your truth and then not having that accepted, of being made fun of, of, you know, internet trolls being idiots, um, that sort of thing. Once you know what those fears are, you can start to work with them. You can start to use different tools, reframing tools, different cognitive thinking tools, something that I offer as an author coach, you know, a tool that I really love to use is tapping, which really kind of activates not just your cognitive thinking processes, but also kind of active, keeps your brain busy while you're working through things. Another tool that I really like, which sounds kind of weird to, to maybe to hear me say it, but I like yoga and meditation and I'm not prescribing them as a cure-all. I do not do that and that pisses me off, but I like yoga and meditation, especially yoga, because yoga connects me with my body. A lot of times as writers, those fears that we're facing are fears that are we're caught up in our own mind. We're caught up in our own thought processes. So if I can pull my attention from my racing thoughts down into my body, and I do this through the yoga poses, through yogic breathing, then that allows me to be in the moment, that mindfulness. The other part is simply recognizing what freeze looks like for you. For a lot of us, freezing looks like scrolling social media. I should be recording this podcast. Oh, look, here I am scrolling Facebook, scrolling Mastodon again. It also could look like having, finding any chores, anything to do rather than sit down and do what you need to do as an author. So there's that running joke, you know, the best way to clean a house is to be on deadline because you don't want to sit down and write when you're on deadline. You want to do anything else. You want to run errands. You want to Google strange things on the internet you want to do everything. I, I can tell you before I sat down to record this, I, it dawned on me, you know, there was a couple of things I forgot to do outside. Oh, there was a couple of things I've been meaning to look up. Oh, there, there, and you can see once that starts to happen, that is actually a freeze response. You are not physically freezing. You are simply, and that also could be a flight response, kind of a freeze flight because you're avoiding the situation. So freezing as an author, freezing quite often comes in when we are drafting new books. Freezing comes in when we are needing to do something like a marketing task. How many times have you had, you know, schedule social media posts on your to-do list? And oops, there never seems to be enough time. Classic freeze response. So I've talked a little bit about that, but what do you do to avoid the freeze response? Well, like most things that deal with our brain, I don't want to talk about a cure because the fight, flight, or freeze response is so hardwired into our psyches. It is so hardwired into that amygdala and the amygdala being a very, it's, it's again, very, very primal, very instinctual based part of our brain. And so it's not something that you can reason with. It's not something that, you know, enough therapy is going to turn off. So think about 
being aware of your, of your fight, flight, freeze response and knowing which one you have a tendency to do. A lot of people who have a lot of trauma in their past, who've dealt with a lot of rough things, they tend to fall under the freeze or fawn kind of both scale. If they can't freeze or they can't fawn, they'll do flight. And so you'll find people that are primarily flight people. You'll find people that are primarily fight people. It's whatever, whatever develops in how your, your childhood, how your young adulthood, how your psyche developed, that's going to determine which option you take. And so being aware of that and knowing that, and it's something to just kind of keep a low level eye out for. You're not going to immediately know unless you've done work in this area. Oh, I'm a freeze person. Oh, I'm a flight person. Just keep a low level, you know, lookout. So what you might want to do is if you come up upon something you want to do with your writing, whether that's sitting down to, you know, get your word count in, whether that's a marketing and editing or revising, whatever that step is that you are at, at your present time with your novel or short story. But when you come up to that moment where you feel that resistance that, no, I don't want to, that's when you should go, oh. Okay, I don't want to do this. Is this fight, flight, or freeze? And you may not know. And that's okay. That is very much okay. But once you come upon that resistance, start to explore that. Okay, I don't want to do this. Why don't I want to do this? And a lot of times it's just this, I don't feel like it. Or you might have just kind of a blankness in your mind. So if you if you're looking at a to-do list, your app, you know, I'm a big fan of to-do apps. If you look at your app or however you track this, you may look, the next thing says, you know, write on my novel, write on my story, write X amount of words. And you may just kind of feel your brain go, nope, the words aren't there today. That's your freeze response and being aware of that will help you to then dig deeper. Well, why, why? And you may not, again, I want to emphasize, you may not know. It is okay to not have all the answers. You may just want to start exploring it and exploring it in whatever way works best for you. Some people do journaling. Some people will start out writing something else and then the words for their story come. Some people have to walk away, go for a walk, go to the gym, you know, for me, I usually go outside, start doing some of my outside chores. I live on a homestead with livestock. There's always something to do. And usually that then unearths by doing something totally different. It unearths what's going on in my brain and I can, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with and I can go back and get things done. So when you get that, just be aware of that resistance. And that's, you know, that's going to help you be aware of that resistance, figure out where you are. And once you do, you can start reading more about it. You can start digging deeper into it if you want, or start working with that to determine how best to take care of the things that you need to take care of. So this was a very short overview of the fight, flight, or freeze response for authors. We have talked 
for just under 20 minutes, not even the length of your average college lecture. So by all means, I am barely scraping the surface. I'm kind of just doing a flyby there, but at least it'll get you started, get you thinking about it. And hopefully you will be able to take a look at that going forward and help determine what your, you know, what your style is and how best to work with that. If you have any questions at all, I hope you do reach out to me. Um, you can check out my author coaching website at authoryogi.com or authoryogi.eponaauthorsolutions.com and learn more about the work that I do there. I will also be launching a group here soon, just a monthly group to help us support one another, help us do what we can do together. And I hope you stay tuned for that. So sign up for my newsletter. Don't forget to follow, like, subscribe to this podcast, and you'll be the first to know when everything changes and that program gets off the ground. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to write free. You've been listening to The Holistic Author Show, presented by Epona Author Solutions and distributed on the Muse Charmer Network. I've been your host, Kit Kalestow, the author yogi. If you'd like to learn more about our show, check out our sponsors, or find out how to be a guest, visit podcast.eponaauthorsolutions.com. Title music is Dream House by Purple Planet Music. You can find out more about them at purple-planet.com. Until next time, be well.